Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. We are going to read 2 Kings chapter 24 to 25, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, and we're going to compare it like we did there before several days ago. And also we're going to read Habakkuk, Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, uh, the entire book. The entire book is pretty short, so we're going to read that as well. So let's start with 2 Kings. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant three three years, and he turned and rebelled against him. Uh, Yahweh, now this is, I'm reading from the World English Bible this time. So the World English Bible has Yahweh instead of capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So this is a little bit different for us. Uh, Yahweh sent against him bands of the Chaldeans and bands of the Syrians and bands of the Moabites and bands of the children of Ammon and sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of Yahweh, which he spoke by his servants, the prophets. Surely the commandment of Yahweh came this on Judah uh, to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he did, and also for the innocent blood that he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. And Yahweh would not pardon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? Okay, so uh, let's compare this with, um, so Second Chronicles says, this is Second Chronicles 36, verse 1. Then the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's place in Jerusalem. Jehoaz was 23 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. The king of Egypt deposed him at Jerusalem and fined the land 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. The king of Egypt made Eliakim, his brother, king over Judah and Jerusalem and changed his name to Jehoiakim. Nico took Jehoaz, his brother, and carried him to Egypt. Uh, continuing with the next section, Jehoiakim's evil reign in Judah. Uh, this is Second Chronicles 36, verse 5. Jehoiakim, or Jehoiakim, was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh his God. Let's just read Second Kings 24 here and uh, kind of... It's a little bit difficult to match this up, seeing that it is different. Uh, but 2 Kings 24, 6 says, So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiakim. Okay, so this is Jehoiakim versus Jehoiakim. So we got two different people here. So let's, uh, okay, so I'm going to read, sorry about this, but for uh, 2 Chronicles 36, I'm going to read continuing with verse 6 on through to the next uh, the uh, next section. So 2 Chronicles 36, verse 6, against him came up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and bound him in fetters to carry him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried of the vessels of the house of Yahweh to Babylon and put them in his temple at Babylon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim or Jehoiakim uh, and his abominations, which he did, and that which uh, was found in him, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And Jehoiakim, his son, reigned in his place. 
continuing with verse 9, Jehoiakim was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem, and he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh. Okay, let's read 2 Kings 24, verse 6. So, so Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiakim, his son, reigned in his place. The king of Egypt didn't come out, or didn't come again out of his land anymore, for the king of Babylon was uh, had taken from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates all that pertained to the king of Egypt. Verse 8, Jehoiakim was... 18 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. And his mother's name was Nahum, the daughter of Alnathan of Jerusalem. He did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh according to all that his father had done. This is different than what we have here in 2 Chronicles 36, verse 9. So notice 2 Kings 24, it says Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he began to reign. Now, Second Chronicles says Jehoiakim was eight years old when he began to reign. Eight years old. Just out of curiosity, I wonder if there's any other Bible translations that say that. Um, so that's Second Chronicles 36, 9. Let's just go over here to Second uh, Chronicles 36, 9 and look up. Um, some of them say 18. Whereas the other ones say eight. So isn't isn't this interesting? Uh, We have King James says eight. New King James says eight with a footnote saying uh, some Hebrew manuscripts, Septuagint, Syriac, and 2 Kings 24, eight read 18. Makes more sense. New Living Translation says 18. Uh, NIV says 18, although it does say again in the footnotes that it says one Hebrew manuscript some Septuagint manuscripts and Syriac. See also Second. Uh, see, excuse me. See, see also Second Kings twenty four eight. Most Hebrew manuscripts reads eight. So isn't that interesting? So some. Uh, it seems like uh, some of these translators kind of pick and choose what manuscripts they they go by here. Uh, ESV has a little footnote saying that the Septuagint and most Hebrew manuscripts read eight. Okay. So it seems like. At least in some of these translations, the translators actually put what is not in the original text. They actually change what the original text says, which is eight, and put eighteen there to make it to make it uh, to um, to avoid the contradiction with Second Kings twenty four. Isn't that interesting? NASB reads eight, and ET reads eighteen. RSV reads eight. There we are again, 2 Kings 24, 8 says 18, and 2 Chronicles 36 says 8. And again, as, as typical with 2 Kings, we have the, the, the mention of the mother's name as well. We don't have that in 2 Chronicles. Uh, deportation to Babylon in 2 Kings 24. 2 Kings 24, 10. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to the city while his servants were besieging it, and Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his servants and his princes and his officers, and the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign. He carried out there all the treasures of the house of Yahweh and the treasures of the king's house, and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold, 
which Solomon king of Israel had made in the temple of Yahweh, as Yahweh had said. He carried away all Jerusalem and all the princes and all the mighty men of valor, even 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and the smiths. None remained except the poorest sort of the people of the land. He carried away Jehoiakim or Jehoiakim to Babylon and the king's mother and the king's wives and his officers and the chief men of the land carried uh, carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. All the men of might, uh, even 7,000 and the craftsmen of the smiths, 1,000, all of them strong and apt for war. Even them the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon. The king of Babylon made Mataniah, that's Jehoiakim's father, brother, father's brother, excuse me, uh, king in his place and changed his name to Zedekiah. Now in 2 Chronicles verse or uh, chapter 36, verse 10, it just says, at the return of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the goodly vessels of the house of Yahweh and made Zedekiah his brother king over Judah and Jerusalem. Moving on to verse 11 in 2 Chronicles 36, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. In 2 Kings 24, it says Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name, of course, 2 Kings has to, 2 Kings has to mention the mother's name. And his mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For through the anger of Yahweh did it happen in Jerusalem and Judah, until he had cast them out from his presence. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So 2 Chronicles 36, 11 says, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh his God. He didn't humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of Yahweh. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who made him swear by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to Yahweh, the God of Israel. Moreover, all the chiefs of the priests and, and the people trespassed very greatly after all the abominations of the nations. And they polluted the house of Yahweh, which he had made holy in Jerusalem. Second Kings chapter 25, verse 1. It happened in the ninth year. Of his reign in the tenth month, in the day of the month that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his army against Jerusalem and encamped against it, and they built forts against it around it. So the city was besieged to the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was severe in the, in the city, so that there was no bread for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between the two walls, which was by the king's garden. Now the Chaldeans were against the city around it, and the king went by the way of the Arabah. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued after the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they took the king and carried him up to the king of Babylon to Riblah, and they gave judgment on him. They killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the, the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in fetters and carried him to Babylon. 
I'm going to continue with 2 Kings 25, verse 8. Now, in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, and a servant of the king of Babylon to Jerusalem. He burnt the house of Yahweh and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem, even every great house he burnt with fire. All the, all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls around Jerusalem. The residue of the people who were left in the city and those who fell away, who fell to the king of Babylon, and the residue of the multitude did Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, carry away captive. But the captain of the guard left the poorest of the land to work the vineyards and fields. The pillars, of, the pillars of brass that were in the house of Yahweh and the bases and the bronze sea that were in the house of Yahweh did the Chaldeans break in pieces and carried the brass of them to Babylon. The pots and the shovels and the snuffers and the spoons and all the vessels of brass which they, which they, with which they ministered they, uh, took they away. The fire pans and the basins, that which was of gold, in gold, and that which was of silver in silver, the captain of the guard took away. The two pillars, the one sea, and the bases which Solomon had made for the house of Yahweh, the base, the brass of all these vessels was without weight. The height of the one pillar was 18 cubits, and a capital of brass was on it, and the height of the capital was three cubits, and the network of the pomegranates on the capital around it, all of brass, and like to these, had the second pillar with network. The captain of the guard took Sariah, the chief priest, and Zephaniah, the second priest, and the three keepers of the threshold. And out of the city, he took an officer who was set over the men of war, and five men of those who saw the king's face who were found in the city, and the scribe, the captain of the army, who mustered the people of the land, and 60 men of the people of the land who were found in the city. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon to Ribla. The king of Babylon struck them and put to death at Ribla in the land of Hamath. So Judah was carried away captive out of his land. As for the people who were left in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had left, even over them he made Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, governor. Now when all the captains of the forces, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah governor, they came to Gedaliah to Mizpah, even Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, and Jonathan, the son of Kariah, and Sariah, the son of Tahumath, the Netaphathite, and Yazaniah, the son of the Maakathite, they and their men. Gadaliah swore to them and to their men and said to them, Don't be afraid because of the servants of the Chaldeans. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. But it happened in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Elishema, of the royal seed, came, and ten men with him, and struck Gadaliah so that he died, and the Jews and the Chaldeans that were with him at Mizpah. All the people, both small and great, and the captains of the forces, arose and came to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldeans. 
It happened in the seventh and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the twelfth month on the on the seventh, on the seven and twentieth day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, excuse me, king of Judah, out of prison, and he spoke kindly to him. And he set his throne above the throne of the kings who were with him in Babylon and changed his, his prison garments. Jehoiakim ate bread before him continually all the days of his life. And for his allowance, there was a continual allowance given him to the, of the king every day a portion all the days of his life. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 15. Yahweh, the God of their father, sent to them by his messengers, rising up early, and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of Yahweh arose against his people, until there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought on them the king of the Chaldeans who killed their young men with the sword in the house of the sanctuary and had no compassion on the young man or virgin or young or old man or gray-headed. He gave them all into his hand. All the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of Yahweh and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. They burnt the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt all its palaces with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels of it. He carried those who had escaped from the sword away to Babylon, and there and they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of Yahweh by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. For as long as it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath for uh, to fulfill seventy years. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of Yahweh by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. Yahweh stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, Yahweh, the God of heaven, has given all the kingdoms of the earth to me, and, and he has consumed me, or excuse me, he, and he has commanded me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, Yahweh, his God, will be with him and let him go up. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. Now, I know I understand the, the uh, correct way of uh, pronouncing this in the Hebrew would be Habakkuk. Um, I'll, I'll just say Habakkuk as people more commonly know him as Habakkuk. Yahweh, how long will I cry and you will not hear? I cry out to you violence and will you not save? Why do you show me iniquity and look at perversity? For destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and contention rises up. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations, watch, and wonder marvelously, for I am working a work in your days which you will not believe, though it is told you. 
For behold, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation that march through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are feared and dreaded. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Yes, their horsemen come from afar. They fly as an eagle that hurries to devour. All of them come for violence. Their hordes face the desert. He gathers prisoners like sand. Yes, he scoffs at kings, and princes are a derision to him. He laughs at every stronghold, for he builds, he builds up an earthen ramp and takes it. Then he sweeps by like the wind and goes on. He is indeed guilty, whose strength is his God. Aren't you from everlasting, Yahweh my God, my Holy One? We will not die, Yahweh, you have appointed him for judgment. You, rock, have established him to punish. You who have purer eyes than to see evil and, and who cannot look upon or look on perversity, why do you tolerate those who deal, deal treacherously? And keep silent when the wicked swallows up the man who is more righteous than he. And make men like the fish of the sea, like the creeping things that have no ruler over them. He takes up all of them with a hook. He catches them in his net and gathers them in his dragnet. Therefore, he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet because... By them his life is luxurious, and his food is good. Will he therefore continually empty his net and kill the nations without mercy? Habakkuk chapter 2. I will stand at my watch and set myself on the ramparts and will look out to see what, will, what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Yahweh answered me. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who runs may read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time and it hurries toward the end and won't prove false. Though it takes time, wait for it because it will surely come. It won't delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is, it is not upright in him, but the righteous will live by his faith. There's the, there's the famous the just shall live by faith, uh, Protestant foundation there, uh, although it's in the Old Testament, so to speak, rubbing it in a little bit to the, in the, a lot of people say the Old Testament is Old Testament. We go by the New Testament. Well, the whole idea of the just shall live by faith or the righteous will live by his faith is Old Testament, by the way. It's in the quote-unquote Age of the law. <laughs> Not that there is such a thing, really. I mean, the age of the law began before the world began and will, will, will be here forever, according to the word, of God, the word of God. Verse 5. Yes, moreover, wine is treacherous. A haughty man who doesn't stay at home, who enlarges his desire as Sheol, and he is like death and can't be satisfied, but gathers to himself all nations and heaps to himself all peoples, won't all these take up a parable against 
against him and a taunting proverb against him and say, woe to him who increases that which is not his and, and who enriches himself by extortion? How long? Won't your debtors rise up suddenly and wake up those who make you tremble and you will be their victim? Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples will plunder you because of men's blood and for the violence done to the land, to the city, and to all who dwell in it. Woe to him who gets an evil gain for his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be, that he may be delivered from the hand of evil. You have devised shame to your house by cutting off many peoples and, and have sinned against your soul. For the stone will cry out of the wall and the beam out of the woodwork will answer it. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and establishes a city by iniquity. Behold, isn't it of Yahweh of armies that the peoples labor for the fire and the nations weary themselves for vanity? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. Reminds me of what it says in Isaiah. Verse 15, Woe to him who gives his neighbor drink, pouring your inflaming wine until they drunk, until they are drunk, so that you gaze at their naked bodies. You are filled with shame and not glory. You will also drink and, and be exposed. The cup of Yahweh's right hand will come around to you and disgrace will cover your glory. For the violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you and the, destru the destruction of the animals which made them afraid because of men's blood and for the violence done to the land, to every city and to those who dwell in them. What value does the engraved image have that its maker has engraved it? The molten image, even the teacher of lies, that he who fashions it form, form trusts in it. Excuse me. He who fashions its form trusts in it to make mute idols. Woe to him who says to the wood, Awake, or to the stone, Arise. Shall this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in its midst. In its midst. But Yahweh is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Habakkuk chapter 3, Habakkuk's prayer. Verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet set to victorious music. Yahweh, I, heard, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Yahweh. Renew your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, you remember mercy. God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. His splendor is like the sunrise. Rays shine from His hand where His power is hidden. Plague went before him, and pestilence followed his feet. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains were crumbled. The age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The dwellings of the land of Midian trembled. Was Yahweh displeased with the rivers? 
Was your anger against the rivers or your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation? You uncovered your bow. You called for your sworn arrows, Selah. You split the the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and were afraid. The storm of waters passed by. The deep roared and, and lifted up its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in the sky at the light of your arrows as they went, at the, at the shining of your glittering spear. You marched through the land in wrath. You threshed the nations in anger. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the land of wickedness. You stripped them head to foot, Selah. You pierced the heads of the warriors with their own spears. They came as a whirlwind to scatter me, gloating as if to devour the wretched in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning mighty waters. I heard, and my body trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness enters into my bones, and I trembled, And I tremble in my place because I must wait quietly for the day of trouble, for the coming up of the people who invade us. For though the fig tree doesn't flourish, nor fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive fails, the fields yield no food, the flocks are cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in Yahweh. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like deer's feet and enables me to go in the high places. For, for, the, uh, for the music director on my stringed instruments. And that concludes our daily scripture reading. That concludes our daily scripture reading. So let's see what we have here in the live chat. Billy says, define faith faithfulness okay so the um the new testament word faith pistis is from the hebrew word amuna amuna meaning faithfulness fidelity being faithful to god you know so it's not just a thing that's in your mind of course it's not just something that's just you know something that you just it's a that doesn't require action you know, it is something that you that you do. It's it's being it's being faithful to his to him, which means you know, of course, being faithful to his to his instructions. Excuse me, to his law. You know, being faithful to him. That is what faith is. Very good question, uh, Billy. Billy, thank you for asking. Yes, Kingdom Concepts says faithfulness. Yeah. So if you if you look it up. Uh, let me just show you while we while we're here. I'll show you where I get what I'm saying. I'll, I'll, since we have a little bit more time here, I will show you where I get it from. So what I'm going to do here, I'm going to go to Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible is good for for this. Okay. So the just shall live by faith. That's Habakkuk two four. Okay. Um, and of course, let me just go back here. So you see that in Romans, Paul bases his entire doctrine of faith on that uh on Habakkuk 2:4 at least he attempts to okay he quotes Habakkuk 2:4 uh his entire message of faith 
In, in fact, he does it again in Galatians 3.11. And it's, it also says in Hebrews 10.38 for, for, you know, for, uh, for all that. <laughs> A lot of people think that Paul wrote Hebrews. I don't really think so. But whether or not, um, I mean, we, it, it, it is the basis of the faith teaching of the New Testament. It, it, this is Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk 2.4 is the foundation of the faith of the New Testament. No doubt about it. So you go into the tools, go into the interlinear, and you look at this. Behold his soul which is lifted up. Now I'm reading, I'm reading on the left-hand side here. Let me just see if I can make it zoom in a little bit so you guys can see it. Um, it might be a little bit too much. So, and the, the, the far left, if you can see what I'm doing here, it's not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith, okay? This word, this phrase actually, by his faith, comes from the Hebrew word you see here, emuna, emuna, okay? So you look out, what, what does this really mean? Because again, let's keep in mind, this is the foundation of the definition of faith in the New Testament. So what does this mean? Let's get to the root of it. It means faithfulness, number one, faithfulness, okay? It's translated faithfulness more than anything else. Truth, faithfully, office, faithful, faith, stability, steady, truly, verily, firmness, fidelity, steadfastness, steadiness, okay? So it's, it is, it's, it's all about, it's faithfulness, fidelity to God. How? Obviously, the only way to be faithful to God is to obey what he says, to do what he says, to go by his Torah. So that's what it is. That, that, is, that, is, what, um, that is what Amuna, that is what faith is in its roots. Billy, uh, looking for an accurate translation of scripture, what would you suggest? Safe, certainly not to suffer. Certainly not. That's not even a translation, actually. It really isn't a translation. They take uh, the... King James for the for the for the Tanakh anyway they take the King James and they just change the the um, they change the Hebrew names and that's that's okay I mean they put it more of a transliteration of the Hebrew names and that's fine but they also change they manipulate the the scripture they put things in there that's not in the original manuscripts I I come across it time and time and time again it's not a translation it's a manipulation. Septuagint, that's, yeah, uh, that's way better than Sefer, okay? That's, that's way out of, uh, uh, Septuagint is, 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 um, is what the early Christians, the early, when I say early Christians, I'm talking about the early centuries, like within the first, you know, three, four centuries of, of the, uh, you know, from the time of the New Testament on. Uh, and even the New Testament authors themselves, a lot of people would argue they use the Septuagint as their text. Keep in mind the Septuagint as we know it, the English translation of the Greek translation of the Hebrew is a translation of the uh, is a translation of the translation, uh, which means there is more. It is further down the the the, the river, so to speak. So it's. Um, Definitely get a hold of a Septuagint if you're, you know, any, any um, serious Bible student should have a copy of the Septuagint. I have one right in front of me here. Um, I would not recommend, this is a Septuagint, a Brenton Septuagint with the Apocrypha. I would highly recommend that. 
I'm not saying that is the best translation, but it certainly is a must-have for anybody who is a Bible student. Um, here's the deal. I mean, there is no such thing as a perfect translation. There are better translations. Again, the Sefer is not even a translation. It's not a translation. Um, <laughs> it truly is a manipulation. It's not a translation. Um, so uh, I would get a whole, I, I, I would use what, like what we usually do. You know, it depends. Um, I mean, you can use one of the main, one of the main, you know, mainstream translations to, to, to use as your, as your text. A lot of people, some people have, you know, everybody has their favorites, right? Uh, to me, I'm not really uh, like I, and the new King James, I can't say really, really. Um, sometimes the NIV is better than the new King, King James. Sometimes a lot of times the NIV is worse than, than any of them because of the way, because of the bias of the translators. But some of the things the NIV says is a lot better than, than the King, than the King James or the new King James. Uh, sometimes the NASB is better. Sometimes the CSB is way better. The Young's literal translation is a really good one too to use. What I would do is just just choose one of those, um, one of the top ones anyway. Uh, New King James. Um, I mean, if you're if you like the old style King James, we'll just go with that. But of course, the King James has its problems too. A lot of problems. There is no such thing as a, as a um, perfect translation. I like what. Um, you know, there's a rabbi, um, a Hebrew, a really uh, fluent Hebrew. Uh, he's a rabbi who's very fluent in Hebrew. And he always says that the English translation of the Hebrew loses 80% of its meaning. 80%, that's eight zero percent of the meaning of the text is lost in translation, according to him. Um, so having said that, I mean, it... Uh, I do not endorse any one specific translation. There are there are there are some that are decent, if I can use that word. I mean, like the New King James, the NIV. Again, the NIV is is. I mean, the NIV's got a lot of problems, but I I, I actually grew up on the NIV, like from the time I really. Um, started walking with God. The NIV was my text for several months. So, I mean, I know that God can use it uh, in spite of its shortcomings. Um, the New American Standard is, you know, is decent, what I would say. It's the CSB is decent. The Young's Literal Translation is pretty good, although it does have that old language in it, but it's, it really is the literal translation. So that's good if you like the literal. Um... And each trans, you know, uh, different translations are based upon different uh, families of manuscripts, right? You get most translations are based upon the Masoretic family of manuscripts. Some, as in the W.E.B., I think we were reading earlier, uh, the, uh, where is it? I don't have it in front of me right now, but the um, Orthodox Study Bible is not too bad. It's, it's entire, quote-unquote, quote, quote, Old Testament is based upon the Septuagint. Um, that's not common by the way i mean most most english translations most english bibles are based upon the masoretic um so 
the Septuagint is not perfect. The Masoretic is not perfect. The, the Samaritan uh, family of manuscripts is not perfect. Um, I would just pick one of the one of the um, one of the uh, you know one of the top some of the ones that I mentioned. Pick one of those, and then it, for it, when it comes to a certain passage that you want to dig deeper and do exactly what we just did right now. Just go, just you know, pull up like multiple Bible translations, look at them, you know, compare them, uh, go into the you know the interlinear and look up the text through that. Um, that's what I would highly recommend. Thank you, Billy, again for asking that question. Very good. Going nowhere says, do you think there will be Nephilim walking the earth again in the end times? Nothing's impossible. I say highly unlikely. It's more likely that the spirits of the Nephilim, the, the evil angels, the evil spirits, will be, and I believe they are, walking the earth, spiritually speaking. Good question there. Going nowhere. Going nowhere says, we're all Nephilim bad. Um, as far as I know, yes. I don't I don't recall any anything in the scriptures that says that any of them were actually righteous. It says, does it mean the Nephilim were men of old, men of renown? I'm not sure what it it is. So I sorry, I can't really specifically answer that question. Going nowhere, do you think people read scripture in heaven? Yeah. Yeah, I think that they do. Good question. Going nowhere, did you cry or get emotional watching Passion of the Christ? It certainly is emotional. You got to be careful. You got to be careful when it comes to, you know, I always hate, when I first really came to the, to, to the knowledge of the Lord, the cross, everything from the Garden of Gethsemane to the resurrection was glory. Everything. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It says in Isaiah, it pleased Yahweh, Yahuwah. It pleased Yahweh to, br to bruise him. It was the pleasure of God. That's why when Jesus told his disciples, hey, I'm going to get crucified. Peter says, oh, no, no, that's horrible. Oh, no, let, far be it from you. Get behind me, Satan. You know, so... And I've been to churches, especially mainstream churches, where they're like, oh, let's let's spend a minute silence for Jesus. How horrible the stuff that he went through. Like, oh, my, like, let, you know, let's just kind of like, you know, be in sorrow because of that. I'm thinking that's certainly not God. That's certainly not the heart of God. Even Jesus himself, it says it pleased. It was for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. You know, the Father, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It was a glorious, glorious thing. So, yeah, emotional, yes, but we got to be careful with the emotions. Let's not have the emotions that Peter had. Okay, let's not have the emotions that Peter had. Oh, no, that's bad. Oh, no. Let's not have those emotions. I think that a lot of, a lot of churches do fall into that. As far as hatred is concerned, when, when it comes to the Jewish people going nowhere, I would say it's, it's, you know, it's definitely not of God at all. It's definitely not of God. Definitely not of God. It's definitely a spiritual war, a war, that's for sure. Going nowhere, ask the question, what does it mean in Exodus when it says coming out at your wives? It means, you know, don't, do not have intimate relations with your wives. That's what it means.
Great Deception says, thank you, brother. Much love and blessings to you all. Thank you, Alan. Thank you very much. Love and blessings multiplied back to you. All right. So, yes, we'll see you guys again tomorrow night, same time, same place. Again, for the, if there's anybody new that's listening here, thank you very much. Alan says, hit the like button if you liked it. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, if you're new, if you're just listening to this for the first time, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following. You know, if you like any of this kind of stuff, reading the scriptures and talking about it for sure. Uh, and uh, be, be aware as well that by, again, by the grace of God, Lord willing, we're doing this every single day, seven days a week. Six of those seven days, we're going live at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's 7 p.m. New York time. One of those days, that's Saturday. Uh, we are, every Saturday, we're going live at 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 p.m. New York time. Why don't you see this? Uh, Laura says, uh, at Christopher, not answering my question. Sorry, I didn't see your question. I'm not sure why I didn't see your question. It might be because the at is, because what I do here is I'm looking for at Christopher without a space between the at and Christopher, and that maybe that's why yours didn't pop up. Tammy says, have a great night. All, oh, thank you very much, Tammy. You too. Okay, guys, I'll see you tomorrow night. Make sure you come back tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll be reading, picking up where we left off here. Really looking forward to it. Just a sneak peek what we're going to be doing. We're going to be reading Jeremiah chapter 41 through 48. Chapter uh, Jeremiah chapter 41 through 48. Okay, guys, I'll see you then. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you. Give you wonderful wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.